Good to see everybody. Thank you for being here. Well, all the buzz this week has been the break-in that happened at our building. Um, you know, if you want to know about it, talk to Dave Dales, talk to one of us. Um, you know, I, the only thing I can tell you is not much was taken. Um, some batteries and a, and a, a pad. Um, we are very fortunate. Doors were kicked in. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is they kicked in the communion door. I don't know if they thought there was real wine in there or not. But, um, but anyway, um, I, I want you to do something. I want you to pray for those who, who burgled this place. Um, they need our prayers. And so pray for them. I, it, it reminded me of, of, you know, a story my dad used to tell about, you know, a guy went up to a preacher and, and said, you know, stick him up. I'm going to rob you. And the guy said, you can't rob me. I'm just a poor preacher. And the guy said, well, I know I heard you speak last one Sunday. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So anyway, um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. These three parables that, uh, that were read earlier are three of my favorite parables in the Bible. And if you've ever been around sheep, and I'm not an expert on sheep, but uh, my grandfather used to raise sheep, and I remember driving around with my dad and, and dad making comments about how, how dumb sheep were, but... Um, uh, that they always tend to wander away. Uh, they they get distracted very easily. Uh, they 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 just go where they're not supposed to go. And and the story is of the hundred sheep and and one wanders off and and the shepherd goes and finds the one and brings him back. And everybody talks about you know how how the the whole of heaven rejoices over that. The next one was about a lost coin. Have you ever lost any money? Have you ever lost your glasses? Have you ever lost your keys? Only to discover that the, the money is right there in front of your eyes. <clears throat> I remember one time going around saying, honey, have you seen my keys? Well, where, you know, where are they? I don't, I don't know where my keys are. Oh, yeah, I found them. Uh, they're right here in my hand, you know. Uh, nobody wants to admit those kind of things. Uh, but, but that's happened before. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of things only to discover. And, and have, have you ever noticed that your parents or your spouse, when you lose something, what do they say? Well, where did you have them last? If I knew where I had them last, don't you think I'd go there first? But anyway, and, and I, I can tell that you have either said that or had that happen and you don't want to say anything because your spouse is next to you or somebody, you know, you, you don't want to get the, the nudge in the elbow. Uh, or have you ever lost a son? Have you ever had one that even though you taught them all their lives, you taught them the way of truth, and they decided to go another direction. Now I want you to note who Jesus tells these parables to. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man 
welcomes sinners and eats with them. What does that tell us? That tells us that it's the sinners and the tax collectors who were interested in hearing what Jesus had to say. The ones who felt like they had it all together were the ones that just thought this was the worst thing ever. That Jesus was talking to these people almost uh, in a repugnant manner. Oh, he's talking to these sinners. But I see a little progression here, don't you? A lamb, ah, a lamb's valuable, but if they got a hundred of them, a coin and a son. It's almost as if Jesus is leading up to this. Uh, that, that he talks about a lamb, then he talks about a coin, and then he talks about something that's really, really valuable. The lamb is out of foolishness, but is brought home. But look what it says. I tell you that in the same way there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I want to ask you, and you don't have to raise your hand, you just answer in your heart. Have you ever sat there with your arms folded when someone either came forward or somebody says they need help, and you said, hmm, yeah, I bet. Please be careful about that, because the scripture says that there's great rejoicing over that. And the coin, the one who loses the coin, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then we come to this last parable. And if your Bible is like mine, it says Jesus tells the parable of the lost son. But once again, I think the emphasis is placed on the wrong subject. This is not really a parable of the prodigal son. It's really a parable of the loving father. Of the father who suffers through the long nights. The father who sits at the window and waits for a son that he knows that he's taught well to come home. You see, Jews, Jewish law, and it is Jewish law, said that the, if you had several sons, if you had three sons, you had to divide your property into four plots and then each son got one and the oldest son got twice as much as all the rest. It was a law. That was what had to happen. And so the eldest son gets two portions. And so you have two sons here. It was divided into three portions. The oldest son gets two, of course, and he gives the younger son his portion. In essence, you're supposed to get that at the death of the father. In essence, what this young man is saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, because I want it now. Think about what an insult that was. And if the truth be told, that's our story. It's your story, it's my story. It's a story of independence. We say we want, we want to be free to make all our decisions isn't that the, what, the way we want it? Isn't that the, the, the will that we have? And isn't that why we kick against the goads when it comes to our spiritual life? Isn't that why we try to push God away? God is trying to keep me from living my life. It's my life. By the way, it's not. The scripture says you were bought with a price. 
And I know what that price was. And until we come to grips with the fact that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, our purpose in this world is to glorify God, and then we'll struggle with this independence thing as a result of that because it's going to be our will against his. And we must understand that we must rely completely and totally on God. And that doesn't bode well in our society, in our culture, to depend on somebody else. We must understand that. And when we go our own separate way, we break the heart of God. I'm going to tell you three stories. All of them are true. All of them are people. If I told you their names, in fact, I will tell you some of their names. And I've told them before, but I've got to tell them again. I'm counting on the fact that we have a number of visitors today that you haven't heard my stories. And the rest of you, I'm hoping that you just forgot. But here it goes. I, in my other life, I used to work in college admissions. And oftentimes, uh, when you had a, a committee decision, an admissions committee decision, it would come down to, a, a, we had an odd number of people on the, on the committee, and it would come down to a vote, and I would have to be the deciding vote. Generally, I would let everybody else vote, and then if it came down to that, I would make that decision. We had a, a well-known administrator, very well-known administrator, who was really a legend in our college. And he adopted three kids. One of them was a, a young man, a young boy. And this young man was just a character. His hobby was collecting rattlesnakes. Okay? And I said one time, I said, we're going to find... Uh, his dad dead one of these days and, and one of the biology professors said, oh no, he cares too much for those rattlesnakes. I mean, that was the kind of person he was. He got involved in drugs. And he would buy paint and different things like that. And if you don't think you can get high on things like that, don't try it. But um, that's what he did. And he got, he, got, he got addicted to drugs. And his life was, he was very well known in the community in which we lived, and, and it was not a good reputation. In fact, one time he was trying to get into their house, and he didn't have the key, so he grabbed, as what I understand, an axe, and just beat in the back door. And when his adopted father and mother came, he punched him in the stomach. That's the kind of guy he was, but he was high. They finally put him in prison, and I think he spent several uh, terms in prison, but they finally put him in prison because he drove down the street with a gun and shot somebody's door out. Well, he served his time in prison. <clears throat> And his father, as I said, and, and if you know of people who are legendary, you know, it's, it's hard to say no to their requests. 
this young man decided he wanted to come to our college. <clears throat> and the vote was not good. And this father came to me and pleaded with me to let him in. And I still remember what he said to me. He said, please let him in. He's a good boy. I wanted to say to his, this, this father, no, he's not. The second story is a friend of mine whose son was an outstanding, outstanding basketball player. And, and as a result of some detective work, some people uh, discovered that he'd been out drinking and uh, they kicked him out. And so, I mean, this was like November. And you can imagine basketball season starts about November. And so, in other words, he missed the entire basketball season, even into the next year, because he was not allowed to come to that school. And he called his dad and he told him about the decision. His dad's a godly man, godly, godly man. And um, the son was having to come home. They, they live, or at that time, down the hill. And, and this father told me, he said, you know, I knew how long it took to get from the college to, to home. It was about four hours. And he said, uh, but then when the son told the story, he said, I made it about two and a half hours. <laughs> but he rushed home. But when he came to confronting or at least meeting with his dad, he stopped at the top of the hill. The dad said he had a clear view and he sat in a chair at the window looking up. And he sat there, the young man sat there for a long, long time wondering what would happen when he came whether dad would accept him, whether dad would take him, whether dad loved him or not. And he said, finally, he drove down the hill and the dad said, I couldn't wait to meet him at the door of his car. The final story is, is a personal one. My dad had four boys. Those of you who are members of this church know, know this story. My oldest brother is, was a preacher for, taught in a Christian school, was a preacher for many years. <clears throat> he's now retired, but he's chairman of the board at York College. The next brother... <clears throat> was a missionary for 37 years in France, in Grenoble and in Lyon. He just recently came home. I say recently, it's probably been five or 10 years. That's recent, isn't it? He came home, he was an elder at the church in Boise, Idaho. 
I've spent my entire career either in Christian colleges or preaching or youth ministry. But there's that one brother, that one boy who decided, nah, this is not for me. Probably the most talented one of the four of us was a great speaker, wonderful worship leader, great song leader. But because of the nitpicking that some people said, well, you can't do this and you can't do that, you can't do this, he finally said, forget it, I can't be Ed White's son anymore. And he quit. <clears throat> he is, I, I remember one time uh, when he came, he surprised dad for a visit. And my dad was just overwhelmed and just openly wept. You got to know my dad. He was not a crier. And I wanted to say to him, dad, <laughs> you know, you got us. I was kind of reading in, in, uh, in the book of Ruth, you know, and, and, and uh, no, 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 it wasn't Ruth. It was in, it was in first Samuel where, where Hannah, you know, she was barren and, and her husband says to her, you know, you got me. That's kind of what I wanted to say to dad. Hey dad, you got me. <laughs> you know, I'm done. I'm going to let him. <laughs> but dad died. Never seeing his son come back. And it broke his heart. He wanted so badly to see him come back. I have lunch with him, not dad obviously, but my brother every, about once a month. I don't bring up the topic of Christianity or spirituality unless he does. And he brings it up a lot. He used to keep a CD in his car and my brother saw it and said, what's this? He said, well, it's, it's hymns. It reminds me of dad. But he never told him. And to this day, he's still a prodigal. Those three stories are so similar to what we find in Luke chapter 15. With the exception of one. But there's an addendum to this story. Starting in Luke. I don't know, it's not working. Never mind. Can he come up and, and finish this? <laughs> Luke 15, starting in verse 25. Meanwhile... The older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. 
and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found. So this story has three components, three characters. The first, of course, is a loving father who stands with his arms outreached. And this will never change. That will never, ever change. The second is this prodigal. And that could be us. Proud, independent, or so we think. Seeking our own path, but then seeing that we're completely and totally helpless without our loving Father. And the third is the older son. Serving from duty rather than service. Notice that he brought up the prostitutes. No, the father didn't. Notice that he says, this your son, those of you who have children have done that with your spouse saying, you know what your son did today? And so here we have this older son saying, you never did this for me. You notice, I, I thought this was interesting as I was reading it. He said, you never gave the fatted calf so that I could go out with my friends he didn't say so that we could all celebrate together. He says so that I could celebrate with my friends. And so I ask you today, where do you stand? Which one of these last two are you? As I said, the father is always the same and that's never going to change. But no matter what you've done, nothing can separate you from the one who created you. Franklin mentioned the 130th Psalm as the song we sang, and I, I turned to that. And as I read this, I thought, this is this lesson today. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But when you were there, but with you there is forgiveness. So that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and for his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption, and he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins.
Well, Jim, that's, that's about Israel. Yeah. But it's also about you. Because you have a truly loving father. And I know I've talked to several of you before, and you struggle with this concept of God being a loving God. But rest assured, God is a loving God waiting to take you back. If you have wandered from him, don't be like the older brother and say, hmm, if I can't believe that person's going, it's about time. Don't be that person. Be the one who rejoices. Be the one who says, this is good. Be the one who rejoices with the angels and says, this is a great day. If you need to respond to the invitation, our shepherds will be in the back. If you need to come, we will pray with you. Come while we stand and sing this song.